Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past, present and emerging. been a while it's like riding a bike <laughs> except i can't ride a bike i feel what? like i've never learned how to ride a bike that says so many things about you no it doesn't it says a lot of things about my parents do you know how to swim yeah oh, okay i'm not, I'm not completed <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> zane ellen just asked if i could swim <laughs> Well, you know, I don't want to know what kind of Matilda fucking childhood you have. If you can't ride a bike, maybe you can't swim. No, I can swim. You never want um, to go to the beach with me, so maybe you can't swim and you just, like, don't want to swim. tell me. I did swimming with you at school. I never went swimming at school. I always had my period. Yeah. Mr. Rogers, sorry. <laughs> Look at this note that doesn't have a date on it that I have conveniently in the back of my diary that I give him every week. Um, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Matter in the Land of Oz. That was gritty. Wasn't it? Because that's where we're at. Um, <laughs> obviously, you guys heard the little... We haven't recorded that yet, but um, I'm assuming it's going to be lengthy <laughs> explanation as to where the hell we've been for the last however long. Um, but this is a proper episode that we are doing. Um, obviously, where we left you off in September was talking about um, Indigenous deaths in Australia, Indigenous homicides in Australia. Sorry, September? Has it actually September been since September? Was when, yeah, that was when the incident occurred. I cannot... At once, that feels like last week and also 3,000 years ago. Right? Yeah. Like, there has been an insurrection in America and, like... Yeah, literally the capital almost fell. I literally... Anyway. Anyway. So, it's been a time. Um, so, what I thought, because obviously I'm still, you know, em- emotionally sort of coping with doing true crime again I have barely watched any true crime I've not really read any true crime in the last couple of months because it's just not been great for my brain which is hilarious coming from somebody who hosts an Australian true crime podcast but I thought if we were going to talk about indigenous deaths we need to talk about the event that started it all invasion day and that's what we're going to refer to it as invasion day a day of mourning a day of us reconciling within ourselves of what we did 
because as white people, we need to acknowledge that the 26th of January, 1788, like that is when this country completely changed. And anyway. It wasn't gonna, a cheerful event. No, let's be real. So if we're going to talk about the horrific murders of the First Nations people of this country, we have to acknowledge that the day that changed the course of this country forever was in de- Invasion Day. The First Nations of this people... The First Nations people of this country never ceded their sovereignty. The British sent their fleet on the 13th of May, 1787. It's sort of, when I say that, I know, like, it's like 100 years after, you know, the opening of Pocahontas. Like, that's what I think. Oh, yeah. They're on the boat. Yes. (laughs) What's that? Yes, that song. In 1607 or something, so we don't get... Copyrighted. So talking back that far just reminds me of it. Um, So the British sent their fleet on the 13th of May, 1787, which consisted of 11 ships known as the First Fleet. It was to journey from England to what the British called New Holland under the command of Captain Arthur Phillip. The fleet was to establish the penal colony at Yora, or as the British called it, Botany Bay. Yura has been claimed. Um, Yura had been claimed the year previous by Captain Cook. That stunning guy. No, he sucked. Anyway, just toss um, his statue into the fucking river. Pardon? I said toss his statue into the fucking river. Yeah, exactly. We should work on that. Um, the uh, British considered the settlement like of Australia to be really important because they had actually lost thirteen colonies in North America. Because apparently. The First Nations people of America weren't so stoked about the British people either. I wonder why. There's a thread here. There's a common theme. Right? So um, the First Fleet arrived um, between the 18th and the 20th of January 1788, but Eura was deemed um, unsuitable as a place to dock the boat. Because obviously these big fuck-off boats, they would have been huge. Yep. Have you seen a big fuck-off boat like that? Like yes. an olden-time boat? Yes. Obviously, because you're in Tasmania and that's where all the boats are. And my dad is a professional boat builder. And he's a professional seen a boat builder. Very large boats. Big boat, you know? I've seen big boats. I I have been on a cruise. <laughs> that's as close as I've gotten. I also went through a really intense pirate phase. So I know a lot about like ships and stuff from that. Like wooden ships. Guns and ships and so the about ba- nothing. Never mind. Never mind. Um, so <laughs> nothing. Exactly. Never mind. Okay, so the twenty first of January, Philip and a few um officers travelled to Port Jackson, which is about twelve kilometers um to the north of Botany Bay, um, or Eura, as I should be calling it, Eura, um, to see if it would be a better location for the settlement. They stayed there until about the twenty third. Um they returned oh, God, I forgot that this happens when I touch things and then the document just decides to go away. (laughs) Zane just laughed at me. Um, So they returned to Botany Bay on the evening of 23rd and basically Philip gave the order to go um, to Sydney Cove um, the next morning on the 24th. So that day there was apparently like lots of winds going and the white people were like "Mm, oh it's so they decided to wait until the next day the 25th however um during the 24th they just um they spotted the ships um astrolabe astrolab probably astrolab and busso because it was they were flying under the french flag 
I doubt that the French would be like, mm, I christen this boat Astrolabe. <laughs> <laughs> Doubtful. Anyway. Doubtful. Um, <laughs> so they were like at the entrance of Botany Bay so the, and um, they were having as much trouble getting into um, Eura as the First Fleet had been. Um, so 25th, winds are still blowing. Um, they tried to leave Botany Bay, but only one of the ships was able to make it out. Um, and so they anchored in Sydney, Sydney Cove in the afternoon. But meanwhile, um, back in Eura, Captain John Hunter of the HMS Sirius um, made contact with the French ships and he and the commander, Captain de Cl- Clonard. I de suck Clonard. at French. Clonard. I tried to learn French, but the feminine and the masculine, it's just so hard. I learned, um, tried to learn French too, and all I learned how to say was mountain bike. <laughs> Which I'm not gonna re- no, I'm not going to repeat it for you now. Um, so they basically like exchanged um, greetings and stuff like that. And then Siri- um, the boat Sirius, sorry, the ship, I shouldn't call it a boat. It's like it's a dinghy or something. The- <laughs> The ship serious. Clear. It was like a raft. It was like those rafts we made in like grade six camp where it's just like some logs <laughs> tied to a few floating barrels. <laughs> you know, the the dinghy. Um the dinghy serious um cleared Eura. Um but the other the other ships were having a lot of um difficulty getting in up, getting out of Eura. Um, so they, despite all the difficulties, um, the remaining ships finally managed to clear Eura and sail to Sydney Cove on the 26th of January. The last ship anchored there at about 3pm. So the 26th of January, 1788, that a landing was made at Sydney Cove and the clearing of the ground for an encampment immediately began. And that was, um, according to Captain Arthur Phillips. Um, in the evening of the 26th, the colours were displayed on the shore and the governor, with several of the principal officers assembled around the flagstaff, drank the king's health and success to the settlement. With all that, um, with all that display, was, um, was such an occasion esteemed proprietous, sure, white people. Um, so, basically, the formal establishment of the colony um, did not, however, occur on the 26th, as it commonly assumed. It was actually not until the 7th of February, 1788, when the formal proclamation of the colony and Arthur Philip basically was announced as the governor um, and basically putting, vesting all of the land under the reigning monarch, King George III, which is the one from Hamilton. Right, so that's like Invasion Day 2. So let's not change the... If we're going to change the date, let's make sure we don't change it to the 7th of February. Yeah, let's not do it on the 7th of February, 1788. Also bad, also not on. Basically, what I sort of knew but also didn't know was that there was never actually official recognition of the colony's anniversary. So 1808, um, the date was used um, by emancipated... um, I was about to say communists... (laughs) been a hot minute hasn't it um emancipated convicts to celebrate the love of the land that they lived on um then 1818 the 30th anniversary of the founding of white australia governor lachlan macquarie chose to acknowledge the day with the first official celebration he declared that the day would be a holiday for um so this was strictly within new south wales by the way this wasn't acknowledged within the other states um because the other states weren't we weren't like connected at that point in time no um the, there was probably like four white people in Queensland by that time. Um, 
the governor declared that the day would be a holiday for all government workers, granting each an extra allowance of one pound of um, fresh meat and ordered a 30-gun salute at Dawes Point, one for each year that the colony had existed. And then this um, was a tradition that was retained by the governors that were to follow. So in Sydney, it was sort of, sorry, in New South Wales, it was sort of acknowledged as not Australia Day, but as Foundation Day. And um, so that's how it sort of became and was connected to like sporting events that they had on the day. So there was like Foundation Day events rather than Australia Day events. Right. Um, So basically it started one, uh, it probably won't be this year because of everything that's happening with COVID. um, But one of the traditions was this regatta that was held in Sydney Harbour. So it was like this race of um, boats and dinghies and stuff like that. Not actually dinghies, but like boats. (laughs) (sighs) I don't, you know. So 1838 was the 50th anniversary of the founding of the colony and as a part of the celebrations, Australia's first public holiday was declared. So the regatta was held again and um, people crowd, crowded the foreshores to view the events and stuff like that. So, yeah, there was 50 guns that were fired, obviously, rather than 30 guns because it was 50 years since the, um, the white people landed on um, Sydney Cove. Um, so there was in Tasmania, there was actually, um, a regatta day, but that was in, um, December to mark the anniversary of the landing of Abel Tasman, who I did an assignment on in year five. Do I remember anything about it? No. No. Um, South Australia celebrated Proclamation Day on the 28th of December and Western Australia had their own foundation day, um, called on the 1st of June. So, in 1888, all colonial capitals except Adelaide celebrated Anniversary Day. In 1910, South Australia adopted the 26th of January as Foundation Day as well, which seems a bit weird. Um, basically, they um, that was to replace another holiday known as Accession Day, which had been held on the 26th of January to mark the accession of the throne of King Edward the seventh who had died on ninth um, may 1910 it was i'm so bad at roman numerals i was realized. just about to say i could see the calculations in your mind working i'm like v is five two is two five <laughs> plus two <laughs> mono means one and rail, and rail means means rail. rail. <laughs> um okay computer hi um, the first Australia Day was established in response to Australia's involvement in World War One, and look for those that know their Australian history with um, with World War One, the Great War as it was known at the time. It was still very um, the I, I believe like the First Nation, like a lot of First Nations people actually signed on to fight in the First World War, and they weren't mm-hmm. allowed at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had their own sort of um, regiment, I guess. Yeah. So also, they, Australia, like as a concept, like the nation of Australia had existed for like 13 years by the start of World War One. So there was a lot of like, like trying to make people like patriotic. Yeah. Being like, fight for your nation of Australia, which we just invented a little yeah. bit ago. Like yeah. it wasn't, we didn't like become a federation of states until 1901. So exactly. having like Australia Day and things like that is trying to like instill a bit of like nationalism in people. Yeah, and trying to boost everybody up and, you know, because we're only about one year into the war. Mm. 
Um, so in 1915, the mother of four servicemen thought of the idea of a national day with the specific aim of raising funds for wounded soldiers and the term was coined to stir up patriotic feelings, exactly what Eleanor Sorensen just said. Look, I just read your mind. Like I do all the time when I say, oh, so did he do that? And you're like, oh. God, I'm crafting a narrative, Jess. I'm a storyteller. Stop ruining it. Um, in 1915, a committee to celebrate Australia Day was formed and the date was actually chosen as the 30th of July, on which many fundraising efforts were run to support the war effort. Um, it was also held in July, subsequent years of World War One, so 16, 17 and finishing in 18. Um, the state of Victoria adopted the 26th of January as Australia Day in 1931 and by 1935 all states of Australia were celebrating the 26th of January as Australia Day, although it was still known as Anniversary Day in New South Wales. Um, in 1988, so we're jumping way ahead, the celebration of 200 years since the arrival of the First Fleet was organised on a large scale with many significant events taking place in all major cities. Over 2.5 million people attended the event in Sydney. These included street parties, concerts, including performances on the steps and forecourt of the Sydney Opera House, and at many of other um, public venues, art and literary competitions, blah, 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 you know? So everyone's acknowledging this day that the white people came to Australia. So um, I... the you know, the in recent years, because, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect and that I've never celebrated Australia Day because we've definitely, Ellen and I have both attended Australia Day parties, but in growing up and learning and sort of acknowledging our privilege as white people in Australia, we have since stopped celebrating on it uh, and we have stopped celebrating on Australia Day because it isn't, oh my God, Fifi just opened. She just opened like a drawer. Okay, that's impressive. Okay, sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, That was just mind-boggling to me. Um, And, you know, obviously acknowledging our privilege and what, you know, celebrating a day like the 26th of January means to the First Nations people of this country because it isn't a day for everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we're, I reckon if we're going to write all these songs and, you know, make all these ads and shit about how Australia is a multicultural nation where everybody is welcome and blah, 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 blah. And then you do shit like, oh, and by the way, celebrating we're celebrating genocide and rape. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of almost just like we're trying to bring Australia up to what Australia pretends to be. And then old white right-wing politicians are like, no, it's always been on the 26th. But that's not true, it objectively. Hasn't. It yeah. hasn't. And... I don't know, like, I'm not against celebrating Australia as a country, like, I'm sure that, but it's not a day for First Nations people, it's a day that... It's a day literally celebrating the colonisation of Australia. How is that, like, fun to celebrate? We know colonialism is bad. It's 2021. We we know that that is bad now. Like... Yeah, so bad. And I was um, watching a few interviews with some First Nations people and this guy, I think, sort of summed it up pretty perfectly. He was like, it's as if like someone came into your house, does awful things to your family and decides to have a party to celebrate that event every year. It's a day of mourning, a day Mm -hmm. that marks the beginnings of massacres, the beginnings of rapes and murders and, and it's a day of disconnect. And, you know us the argument is that we want to celebrate Australia as as a whole so no we can't take back like what the white settlers 
did to this country, but we can celebrate what our country was beforehand as well because for thousands of Mm -hmm. years, the First Nations people have been here on this land, cultivating it and working it and knowing it. And that is just as much important as the last, what, three, four hundred years that we've been here. I mean, it's more important. It's so much more important in terms of thinking about, like, the history of the entire world. Like, the way that we just write off, even, like, ways that we've done it while podcasting, saying things like, oh, well, you know, they were here for 80,000 years. That little sentence cannot sum up the cultural and, you know, social and, you know, achievements and progression and change, like 80,000 years to 120,000 years, like that is longer than our brains are capable of understanding. Yeah. And some motherfuckers roll up 220 years ago and is like, I'm sorry, actually, we deserve the party. And it's like, what did you do, Captain Cook? Like, go get killed in Hawaii, you dumb bitch. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. (laughs) Like, why are you so special? You just sailed a fucking boat. Anybody can do that. Like, talk to me about, like, the fucking Pacific Islanders who literally invented, like, boat travel and navigation, Moana. Yes. Hello. Why do we care? The majestic woman we know as Moana. (laughs) Where's her national holiday? Where is Moana Day? I would celebrate Moana Day. Also, why hasn't Disney made a movie set in fucking Australia? Come on, Disney, you cowards. Come on, Disney, you cowards. Um, They're all like, oh, we're going to we're gonna make all these really crazy movies about, like, you know, people's feelings and shit. Make a movie set in fucking Australia. Please. Aboriginal Australia, obviously. We don't yes. want – we don't need Pocahontas 3 this time no. down south. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no. Um, so then I found some like incredible quotes of um, – so there's Phil Moncrief talking about – he's like, we all still suffer from the life-draining, over-legislated madness called British Australia, which never seems to abate to the reason of sound voices or even democracy. Then they expect us to join in their triumphant dances over our ancestors' graves each January 26th. Like, that just hits you right in the fucking stomach. It really does. Because that's exactly – it's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And then Nakia Lu, our queen um, from um, Camilla Roy, and she's a Torres Strait Islander woman from Mount Druitt, which is in Western Sydney. And she says, um, you know, I'm an Aboriginal woman in her 20s who cruises dating websites, but it's only four generations back that my family felt the direct consequences of foreigners invading our land. there's my great-great-grandmother who survived a massacre, my great-grandfather who was forced back to the mission after his father died and wasn't allowed to own land, my grandfather who was given dog tags dictating that he was an honorary white man after he returned from being a prisoner of war in World War II, and my my mother who was encouraged not to finish high school because she was an Aboriginal. This is why for us, Australia Day is a day of mourning. It is not a day to go over to my friend's house to sit up in a blowout pool and get drunk, and it's definitely not a day to wear red white and blue while waving a flag with the union jack and a southern cross on it i refuse to celebrate and every australia day my heart is broken as i am reminded that in the eyes of many i am not welcome in my own land first of all coming back from being a prisoner of war and being like congratulations we think you're white now we're gonna treat you like you're white is the most offensive thing that i could ever think of Second of all, I hate it when people wear red, white, and blue on Australia Day. Those are America's colors. Our colors are green and gold. 
have you ever seen a cricket team? Yeah. I mean, like that is so like not important in the grand scheme of things, but don't wear red, white and blue. Um, and then interesting, I was looking back. So 1888, which was um, prior to the centennial anniversary of the first fleet, um, Henry Parks, who was the Premier of New South Wales, was asked about the inclusion of Indigenous people in the celebrations and he said, and remind them that we have robbed them. He knew! He knew! He knew! Fake woke king back in 1888. Like, what? That would definitely be like a quote on um, beam me up, soft boy. Yes. Um, so the celebrations in 1938 were accompanied by an Aboriginal Day of Mourning. A large gathering of Indigenous people in Sydney in um, 1988 um, led an Invasion Day um, commemoration marking the loss of Indigenous culture, which I think is so important. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, the anniversary is also termed by some as Survival Day and marked by events as the Survival um, the Survival Day concert that was first held in Sydney in 1992, celebrating the fact that Indigenous people and co- some cultures have survived despite the colonisation and um, discrimination. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. The amount of um, – and we have t- I have talked about one of the frontier wars, the Bathurst Wars and stuff like that. Think about that and then times that by a 1,000. And that's how many massacres occurred in this country during the um, – the colonial sort of era and the masses amount of people, languages, cultures, stories that have been eradicated because of the white people coming to this mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. which is devastating to think of. And oh as we said, like 120,000 years of like cultural development and like, you know, human anthropology and stuff like that, like clinging on by a thread. Like, when you look at a map of, like, all the different, like, Aboriginal nations and, like, languages, and you, like, you can see, like, what a rich tapestry of different cultures that was, and that just doesn't exist to the same degree anymore, and people are fighting so hard to keep it alive, Um, and, you know, one of the very small things that we can do to keep that alive is, like, dual place naming, which I think is super important, like, naming things like uh, Kanani Mount Wellington, for example, like every sign in Tasmania, like for Mount Wellington has the Aboriginal name there as well. Like that is what people are trying to hang on to. Like that is the level of which we're like, please, please call the things that like, call these places what they have been called for. And that 10, is like the of barest of fucking minimums. It's the barest of do. minimums. Like it is so like small, <sighs> but yet there are still people who are like, no, we don't, we, we don't want to change this place name. It's known as this. I'm like, it's known as that to you Walter but not to like the thousands of people and that but, and it's you. like that's not what it was called like get that through your heads like yeah. it was called something before we got here yeah exactly so um obviously there's um not all Indigenous people think of um, the 26th of January as Invasion Day. They also mark it as a day of mourning as well. Um, but there are Invasion Days and events um, held all around the country. I will be participating in the Invasion Day March in Brisbane um, because, once again, it's barest of minimums. And if I see one person who posted about Black Lives Matters and they're not at Invasion Day events or if they're in a blow-up pool and stuff like that, Furious, absolutely mm-hmm. furious. But then others, um, you know, deem it as a day of mourning. So commemorating the 26th as a day of um, recognising the violence of the frontier wars, including the massacres, rapes and murders, and as well as the trauma caused by the government pol- policies of assimilation. And like, you know, 
thinking back to like the white Australia policy and to the stolen, stolen generation. generation and stuff like that. And I mean, you know, that day when Kevin Rudd marked the apology and everything like that was huge and like a big step forward, not discounting that, but there is so much more that we have to do. And there is so much more that we should be doing that we're not doing. Um, so yes, the 26th of January, not a cute day. Please don't celebrate it as the, uh, I, I was thinking I've seen a few like campaigns is doing like May 8. Which sounds like May 8. I think that's oh, really yes. funny. Um, um, yeah, mate. Like that's. But people said like when that mate, May 8 was like being really pushed, people were like, oh, but it's not going to be hot enough to have a barbecue and go for a swim. To which yes, I say you live in Australia. I mean, certainly in Queensland, I would be swimming in May 8. It's still hot in mate. Not, not in Tasmania. It's never hot. I'm wearing yeah, a fleece jumper. Yeah, but it's never jumper. hot. No. 26th of January down there for you is still like going to be glacial again. I mean, I don't know why we don't just like spin a wheel and pick a random day that has nothing attached to it. Like just be like, okay, June 3rd. 11th. <laughs> That's, no, nothing attached to it. Not like the, our queen's birthday. Let's well, just Kate Ryan's birthday. <laughs> But yes, so that's some little information on Invasion Day if you didn't know. So, um, yes, we were going to – can you mention the podcast that we were going to mention? Yes, um, there's a new show on TNC, our, our network that we are a part of. It's called Black Magic Woman with uh, Mandanara Bales, who is a lovely person and she knows what she's talking about to a much more significant yes. degree than you- us. Yes, exactly. Um, so in in case you're wanting some more um, information, it's a great show. Um, if you would like to hear somebody who isn't two fairly dumb white girls <laughs> talk yeah. about these issues, go and listen to her show. Go and listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you have some ideas on like when if, if there's any um, uh, First Nations people that are listening, if there's anything um, that uh any days that you could suggest or any um um any events that people can go to on any of the capital cities please feel free to email us and we'll we'll put them on our socials we'll also um be i'll post on the instagram about the um the invasion day rallies that you can participate in wherever you are um keeping covid safety in mind yes please mask up please sanitize your hands um so also on that um the next couple of months we're like, hi, we're going to do an episode. Um, next couple of months are a little bit tricky. Um, I actually start like my first professional, not my first professional acting job, but my, my first long-term acting job, which is like for five months touring around the country. So we're going to be taking another hiatus. I'm so sorry. We might try and like sneak in a cheeky. We're when- gonna do, I reckon we can do some mini episodes. Yeah. But like, to be honest, like where we're both at, I feel like some little 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 babies. Little, little babies. Also, I need everybody to know that Jess is going on a tour, like in a bus to like random small country towns in Australia, and she is going to hate it. <laughs> she is literally like, this is my dream. I would love to fucking go on a fucking. I'm not gonna, like, it's not as if we're good. Like, they're nice places that we're staying in, but it's just touring is. I've never done it before, so I'm very interested to see the person that I turn into after all of this. Yeah, and she's going to be staying in like motels with roommates and stuff, so it's not really yeah. conducive to recording. Like sitting there while your roommate is making like two minute noodles inside like a. Yeah, kettle. and like I don't, I don't want to like, um, 
you know, I've got to respect the people that I'm touring with and stuff like that. And so. also we just didn't want to do, after being gone for such a long time, we didn't want to do a shit job and just like half-ass it for a few months. No, exactly. I, I mean, we would rather put out a couple of higher quality items than be like, just had no time to research this week. So here is uh, her singing a song. Like, yeah. we don't want to do shit Which like that. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to hear. Um, so yeah, that's that was the decision originally. Like, I was going to try and you know get recording equipment and try and do it on tour. But looking at the schedule, like we're jumping around really quickly. Some places were only there for like a night. And then we pack up and we leave again. So it's just not. It's logistically not conducive to a podcasting, but we're going to do a couple more episodes before yeah. she goes. Some little mini babies. Okay, guys. Well, we will see you in a few weeks. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram. Sorry, I forgot this part. Instagram, Facebook, our email, murder in the land of Oz at gmail.com. Um, I'm always on the Instagram. So if you do need somebody to chat to, hit us up on there. Okay. All right. Bye, dolls. Bye. Welcome to an advertisement for the Penny Peep Show. What is the Penny Peep Show? Well, in our podcast factory, our podcast scientists have been working hard on a range of light-hearted radio play anthology series that everyone can enjoy. Criminy Cricket, spokesperson. Is there a light-hearted radio play anthology series for me? No, every series is marked explicit. But why not tell your parents, nameless child? They'll find the Penny Peep Show wherever good podcasts are stocked. The Penny Peep Show. It's like dissolving your ears in a cocaine-laden off-brand soda. Is that a good thing? Shut up. Nameless child. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.